Welcome to the Fayetteville Fire Podcast, where we talk about all things fire-related, safety tips, and things that are happening in our can-do city. I'm Don Cheetah, Captain Community Risk Reduction, and I'll be your host today for the podcast. Thanksgiving's coming up, and do you know on Thanksgiving Day is the peak day for cooking with approximately 2,000 home fires occurring on this day. We'll talk more about that later in our safety message of the month. So today's topic is about women in the fire service. I'd like to welcome our guest, Firefighter Haley Kahn, Firefighter Chelsea McKenna, and Captain Steve Shakeshaft. Good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So women in the fire service. Nationally, there's only 5% of career and 11% of volunteer firefighters across the nation that are females. Um, Here in our fire department, we have 12 uniformed firefighters, or fire personnel, I should say, and uh, that's roughly 3%. So what, what makes it so challenging? Why is there such a low number of women in the fire service? I think um, traditionally it's been that way, you know, and the fire service is very traditional. You know, your father, your grandpa, you know, someone in your family was a fireman at one point, so you kind of just follow that. Um, and this being mainly a blue-collar career, it's dangerous and challenging. I think that doesn't sound too appetizing to many women out there in the world. Um, but the norms are changing with society, you know, with a lot of things nowadays. So things might get better. But I think that's the initial challenge, I would say, why um, more women aren't just jumping into it on their own without having to be, you know, reached out to and recruited and things like that. Yeah, and if you uh, if you look across emergency services, it's almost like still a defined line, I would say, between emergency medicals, you know, paramedics, stuff like that, ambulance and, and everything versus a firefighter. You see a lot more women on the EMS side or the medical side of it than you do the fire side of it, so to speak. That's very true. A lot of the women I talk to don't even know that we run EMS calls. They, they don't even know that, so they don't realize that it's an opportunity, and that's, again, just getting out and letting people know. And, and you do hold, uh, what, first Saturday of October or thereabouts usually each year? Yeah, every, every October we do our annual Women in the Fire Service Day at some point during the month, um, just depending on how it falls. But it's it's been eye-opening for a lot of women. I've had several phone calls since our last one just a couple weeks ago uh, from, from women who were shocked to learn what they did learn and excited to move forward in the process. And I was in that with Captain Shakeshaft that we had a lot of women in that full day of learning about the department and what all we do and a lot of them were very surprised on many different topics just as far as the everyday life of being a firefighter having the ability to take off as or be off as often as you are in a month things like that that a lot of people are not that knowledgeable on it so those that career day was great for a lot of the women that attended so chelsea what what brought you into the fire service Oh, I was looking for a job, and I just happened to go across the city of Fayetteville website. I was moving over here. I was PCSing as a military spouse, and I put in an interest card. It sounded like a fun thing to do, and I like fun jobs. I like chaos and excitement, <laughs> and I was like, let's see what happens, and as I was moving over, they it was time to start the um what is it called? The hiring process? Yeah, the hiring process. And I, we did a practice test within a week of me being here. So I was like, wow, this timeline is working out perfectly. And and we just, here we are, eight years later. Wow. <laughs> and Haley, what brought, brought you into the service? 
Um, well, when I think of a career, you know, mainly you want to get in there for the money to pay your bills, but also if it's going to be something, you know, 25, 30 years, you want to enjoy it and something that you actually like to go to work and not have to dread, you know, showing up every day. Um, so when I kind of chose this pathway to be the fire department, I wanted to work with like-minded individuals, people that like challenges, um, hardworking, you know, good-hearted for the most part in it for the right reason. Um, and I figure if I'm going to be there for 24 hours a day, it's a good, you know, group of people to surround myself with. You might want to have to like them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do like stuff that's challenging and not the same thing, you know, every single day. And when we go to work, it is different pretty much. Even if you are, you know, on a daytime slot and not actually on the fire trucks every day, you guys know every day is different. Um, so, yeah, just going into a career that I could, you know, look forward to going to every day and having good challenges. That's why it, I enjoyed it. It definitely, you know, 27 years later, it, every day is different. Um, you can have your best laid plans or best thought of what you're going to do in a day. And uh, those by, are the days that are going to be messed up and yeah, changed completely. <laughs> by 8.05, you got a residential structure fire and then the whole day goes <laughs> from there. Now, did, did you learn about it? from a friend at the gym or did you seek us out? I can't I remember hearing your story a while back. Right. So mine is similar to um, Chelsea over here. I moved here PCSing with my ex-husband who's in the military, which is why a lot of people are here in this town, actually, if you're not from here. Um, and before I moved here, I had been applying to get on the department back in Hawaii. Um, and then I had gotten the initial call back and I was going for the physical ability test. And then we got the call that he was getting moved to North Carolina. Um, so when I got out here, I was at the gym. And I did see a flyer that I'm sure the recruiting captain at that point had put up or somebody um, saying they were hiring and the whole process is coming up. And so I got online on the website, bravethefire.com, and got all the information going. And from there, kind of the same situation. It was, I believe, right before the hiring process, so like late fall, early winter. Um, and then I just kind of put my interest in and went from there. Very cool. So how long have you been on now? Uh, four and a half years now. So you got eight years and four and a half years. What are some of the challenges or perceived challenges when you come on the shift, got out of the academy and come on the shift, and you went to your first shift, your first station, here's a female showing up in what was probably an all-male setting. Were there some challenges there, Did it, or did, did it blend right in nice and easy? I think that in your head you may think, when you get in that it's there the men are just going to try to take charge and not give you a chance to do things or stronger faster whatever it is but then when you get onto the truck everyone really is there with open arms very um you're you are getting your education just like everyone else so i would say this this department is very equal opportunity in the sense of I am treated exactly just like my male counterparts. Yep, I can definitely agree to that. Um, you know, there's a lot of perceived notion out there that, oh, you might get treated differently because you're a woman, you know, or they might not respect you. And it's definitely a case-by-case -case basis, even, you know, for the men and women, how they're treated. Um, it's how you treat others. It's how you're going to be treated for the most part. But, yeah, coming on to shift and your crew also makes a big difference of it. Um, most guys are there to get the job done effectively, and if you have the same mindset and the same goal, they're going to work with you. So, yeah, just, I mean, trying your best and showing that you're trying and asking if you need help. And, you know, we're all we're at day one, one point in our lives, and we didn't know anything about it. So just, you know, reaching out and not being afraid to ask for help really helps a lot. So, and a lot of that, like you said, Chelsea, is the 
internal mental block for sure of, of how this can be towards what it really was because as we stated this is such a male dominant field so you may others may feel in their head that it's going to be one way and then you get there and you're like this is not I, this is great <laughs> <laughs> and me and you have had conversations about this that it whether it's what you're thinking you're going to walk into or actually if you were to walk into a problem which obviously you two said you haven't but if if you're thinking that, that perception of a problem is a problem, and we need to have our folks that are actively engaged in dispelling that perception. And the only way to do that is to have more women involved. Have yeah. It's funny you say that. I actually have a best friend now, this many years later. He was one of my first, um, one of my beginning lieutenants, and he told me at the very beginning, I didn't want you on my company. And I was like, what? And he goes, nah. I was just going to stick with just males. I've never had to work with females. And now that I work with you, this is great. I don't know why I felt like that. And I was like, why would you think that? And he's like, I don't know. It's done now, though. I love you. <laughs> oh, and I think that's a challenge from the opposite side of it. So me being a supervisor for 16 years, you know, that first time that you're getting a, a female come to you, you're like, hmm. Yeah. You know, how's this going to go? Exactly. I'm not, not used to that. And, uh. You know, I'll go back 25 years ago, um, 27 years ago. When I first got here, there was maybe four females on the fire department. Three of them were all at one station, one per shift, so they could make a special accommodation for them to sleep and stuff. Because, you know, then we didn't really have stations with private rooms like we do now. Um, but then you can also see the older captains, and, and there was a difference of how they treated there. And so when I became a leader, it was, hmm. I've never had to deal with this. Let's let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, like Kat was mentioning, uh, most of the stations nowadays are very accommodating. You know, there's multiple restrooms, there's private rooms. Um, there's only a couple of the older, older stations that are, you know, big open bunk rooms and things like that. Um, so there's definitely opportunities to, you know, escape or have your own privacy if you need to when the time comes. Um, but I do think also, like Chelsea is mentioning, having a woman on your crew isn't traditional, but it also sounds nice because, you know, my captain and lieutenants come to me and they come to me about their problems with their girls and their children <laughs> and their wives. And, you know, we're kind of just like one part of the family because most families have women and men in them. So yeah. it kind of works out well. And, and we talk about the fire service and, and, you know, you let on earlier one you talked about, I think you did Haley about, you know, it's a it's a tough job. It's a physically demanding job that can be challenging at times. Um, I was just looking at the internet, let's say that the military per se, um, 10 years ago, they opened up combat arms, MOS's jobs for females and, uh, 0.0008% of combat roles are currently filled by females in the military. And only 16% of the active duty military is female which kind of surprised me. I thought it'd be a lot higher, but, you know, but then you look at something like the law enforcement, the police side of it, and there's a lot more females percentage, a lot greater percentage in the police than fire, military. Yeah, I don't know the percentages of the Fayetteville Police Department, but I do know going on almost every call we have that the police, you know, arrive car accidents or whatnot, there's almost always a female officer there. So, I would definitely say there's more females in the police department than our fire department. Um, but going back to the military aspect, um, I think 
the women have to just want to have that combat role, you know? I don't think they go into the military thinking they're going to do all these, you know, crazy special ops and join all the teams and everything. And now that it's open to them, they might be more interested. But traditionally, when it wasn't interested or wasn't open to them, they didn't even have it on their mindset because it wasn't an option. So maybe now that it's available, more girls might be interested in it. But they do have to want it, you know, themselves. It's hard to convince somebody to do a job that's, you know, this physically demanding and challenging and things like that. All right, just like the fire service, you know. I mean, it's not just females, it's just people in general yeah. to, to get <laughs> them to want to do a job that you're going to be sweaty, dirty, smelly, you know, multiple showers a day and dirty again. And Yeah, it's hard to convince somebody to have a career like this if they're not have, you know, even a little bit of percentage of their own interest in it. So it, it's funny you brought up the, the military because I thought I came into the position in recruitment in 2019 and I thought that. Fort Liberty would be just the spot to get women who are physically capable, who already have the mindset to serve. They're already in that groove. And I could just pull from that pool as they got out. And what I've come to find is a lot of them, when I talk to them about the job, they're just like, I'm getting out of the military to get away from structure and to get away from hazard and start a family and live my life. And they don't want anything to do with with that after eight years in the Army or 20 years in the Army. Um, So it's really just about priorities. Um, women and men think differently and have different priorities. And I don't know, other than, like I said, getting more women involved is going to change that perception and change that culture, but we have to get them involved to begin with. (laughs) And that's been a struggle that we, the fire service nationwide hasn't been able to overcome. Well, and another great point brought up family. Um, the alternative to working one third of the year is when you do work, you're gone 24 hours. And, uh, it's a lot easier, I guess, for a dad or a male or a dad to step away from the house for 24 hours than it is so much a mom. I do think that dynamics have been changing to where there are male are more males that are able to stay at home or do get the jobs that are more Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. But it still is the mother is the caretaker, especially at the beginning, if you have breastfeeding or anything that keeps you with a child very often, it's hard to be away for those 24 hours at a time and ensure that hopefully your significant other or you have other family here that can assist in the time that you are away. And I feel like that's where a lot of females do head towards the normal daycare sort of hours because I'm a mother of two children and I was on shift for a couple of years during when my son was younger and that is a hard that's hard to find any sort of daycare when my active duty husband was in training or deployed or anything like that so that's where it's hard to keep females in my opinion in this sort of job and with these odd hours because you don't have much to help. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. I mean, we we brought up the military and, you know, the, the low amount of females. That's a demanding, can be weeks at a time gone type job, you know, or, or years when you're deployed. And uh, fire service, I mean, 24 hours at a time can, can be demanding on, on a family. Maybe the police department, they have more women because they have, I think they work 10 or 10 or 12 hour shifts. So that's that's a little bit different. So... Yeah, I don't have children myself, um, but there are, you know, most of the women that are on this department do have children. 
And then the ladies that come to me out in the city that are interested in getting hired here, that's one of the first questions they ask me, you know, how are the hours, you know, do they have daycare for you guys provided, things like that, because we are 24-hour shifts, as you know, and as a you know mother sitting next to me speaking about it, it's probably very hard to leave your kids when they're younger ages as well. So I always just tell people that when they come to me and ask, you know, um, do you get to have your kids come in there? You know, do you get daycare? Do you get that provided? And I'm just very honest with them and I let them know because a lot of people are single, either mothers or fathers here. Um, so that also, you know, presents an issue if you don't have the other one at home to take care of them when you're here. Um, but if you have family around and the good thing about our department or any fire department, I believe, is you kind of make family of the friends that are here and on your crew. So, you know, people help each other out a lot around here. I've noticed that, which is awesome. Do I come I hear without any family here, but all of my family that I would call um, have they're all family. I mean, they are all fire service related. Um, every single one of them, if it's not someone that I specifically work with, it's their spouse. They have all became aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas to my children because of how family-oriented we are as a department. And that's the part I love about this job. I mean, I, I come to Fort Bragg in 1990, um, and I've been here since, and I have no family at all. So in the early years, there was, you know, I got out of the military. A lot of guys I served with, they got out and moved on out of the state to other regions where they grew up so that really didn't have any friends until I got in the fire service and started reading development. And uh, as close-knit as we were in the infantry and, and our platoon was, um, at times it pales in comparison to what the fire service has been and, and the brother and sisterhood that come together. And I think we've all watched your daughter grow up. I mean, we've watched <laughs> yeah. her grow up around the stations. And, and I try to tell folks when I'm recruiting them, it's about that support network. When it comes to our schedule, having that support network because if your if your child is sick we have sick time that you can take to be off with your child if your child has something going on whatever the case may be but when that hurricane comes or that tornado comes or something happens that you just can't you you have to be here because that's the job having that support network is is vital and it takes time to develop that support network when you're hired. You don't have that walking in the door, so you might feel lost and you might feel confused just as you're getting set up and getting settled in the in the agency. You develop that over time. Like you said, everybody's become brothers and family and grandpas. It just takes a little bit of time to develop that, and I try to put people's mind at ease when I'm recruiting them on that end. Yep, I can agree. I'm from originally San Diego, California, so same thing, no family out here. Um, but being with the crew year after year, even though it's only a third of the year, the days off, you're still hanging out with them. You're going to the house, having cookouts, and spending time together on and off shift, which is nice. So you do get to actually grow up with your crew and see their kids grow up and everything like that. So that's another good thing to have, along with, you know, the tough schedule. At least you have each other to go through it together. Yeah, tough schedule and tough times. It's But it's getting somebody from the outside to understand that coming in, that you're going to find a niche, you're going to find a family, you're going to have that support network you don't think you have. But it's a hard sell yep. to somebody that doesn't understand. They're just going in here blindly. That's very true. Even with me coming from a military spouse, I was in that world for 13 years. And this is a totally different family than what that was. So there's a little recruiting pitch for you. And uh, 
they were talking about daycare. Maybe we can put that next budget year. Yeah, that's that is something we've been talking about for a long time. We actually just we the city uh, HRD director not too long ago sent out a survey about daycare to all the city employees. Right now, I know that didn't nothing came of it at that time, but it has been a discussion in the past, and it could be a discussion going forward. There's other agencies that do offer 24-hour daycare. It's not free. The the employees do pay for it. But it is employer-sponsored 24-hour daycare. It is something that can be done and is done by other agencies. It's just that times are changing and adjusting, and it takes time to jump on these different ideas. I think out of all of them, ours is going to be the hardest just because of the longest shifts out of any other department Mm -hmm. in the city. Yep. Just so we don't go to 48 hours at a time. Oh. (laughs) I would love that, but I don't have children. Yeah, the 4896 is great for folks without kids. I'd be all over it. Oh, yeah. You know what? At this point, let me just work 10 days straight and be done. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, I thank you all. Haley, Chelsea, Captain Shakespeare, I appreciate y'all being on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, let's go into our safety tip of the month, holiday cooking. You know, turkey fryers have become more and more popular over the years, and they cause an average of five deaths, 60 injuries, and more than $15 million in property damage each year. When cooking oil heated beyond its temperature, which is usually 375, it can auto-ignite. Turkeys that are frozen or partially frozen, putting into hot grease, will cause them to splatter, which will increase the likelihood of ignition. And just remember, don't use your turkey fryer under a garage, deck, breezeway, porch, barn, or any structure and catch fire. And never use water to extinguish a grease or oil fire. It'll only make it worse. Thank you for joining us on Fayetteville Fire Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fayetteville on your favorite stream platforms to listen to all our podcasts. So, do you ever wonder what goes on in all that data collection that goes on? What does your department do with all, all that data? Next time, we're going to talk about planning and research and what goes into the data that they're gathering. Till then, be safe. <laughs>